Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209. Welcome to Garden Success with Skip Richter the show designed to help you have a bountiful garden and a beautiful landscape. Call in now with your lawn and garden questions at 979-845-5689 or email your questions to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And now, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist, Skip Richter. Well, hello and welcome to Garden Success. We are glad to have you with us today. Uh, normally, we're a call-in show where you call in with your questions and comments. Uh, today, we're coming to you by tape, so don't try to call in. Uh, you'll just get an empty studio, but we don't want to disappoint you there. Uh, but we have a special guest today, and I know you will enjoy this. So uh, I hope that uh, uh, you'll grab the family and sit down and listen to this one, because if you in any way like plants, if you have a pulse when it comes to flowers, vegetables, plants of any kind, parks and other things, you're going to want to hear what our guest has to say today. And our guest is Charlie Hall. Charlie is the uh, Ellison Chair in International Floriculture here at Texas A&M University in the Horticulture Department. Charlie, welcome to Thank the show. Thank you very much, Skip. I appreciate the invite. You know, we've known each other a long time, but we have. This is the first time I've been invited, so yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of hyped here. That, it's, that's it's awesome. Well, everything in my life has led up to this moment. Well, I know, and and you know, we we I can't believe it took this long. Uh, not, nothing personal, that's for sure. Charlie and I were just reminiscing. I think we met, or we both started with AgriLife Extension about 32 years ago, or something close to yeah, that. Yeah, be 33 in December. Yeah, but who's counting? Yeah. Right? Uh, so uh, we. We have known each other a long time. Uh, Charlie uh, started off as an as an economist and uh, uh, very, with very close ties to the green industry. So, Charlie, I always like to ask guests, uh, how did you how did you get connected to horticulture? You know, what how how did you end up here today in the Department of Hort as an economist? Well, that's that's kind of interesting. You know, my my family uh, we we had several different crops that we tried before we got actually in the nursery business. Mm. We had uh, grew a few tomatoes and strawberries and so forth, but I was after those crops. I was very pleased that we got into the nursery business, and uh, though at the time I kind of resented it because it took a lot of time and you know, nights and weekends and so right. forth to water plants. And this was before the days of Ronstar, so I did a lot of weed pulling and okay. everything. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And that was back in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, Western North Carolina. Well, you know, I always like to say, especially to folks from California, uh, you know, anybody can be a horticulturist on the East and West Coast. You drop a pencil on the ground, it roots and starts to grow. If you can make plants grow in Texas, uh, you're doing something. I know, that's, right? <laughs> that's a challenge. <laughs> okay, yeah. so so you you got a master's in horticulture. I right? did. Yeah, I got the, my undergrad was in ag economics, mm-hmm. and um, and I had a school a school project that I worked on that happened to include uh, the nursery business, and it just kind of reminded me how much I enjoyed it. Okay, and then uh, so I got my master's degree, 
And then I was going to go out in the industry, Skip, and make my millions, you know, in yeah. the nursery business. Which we all do in horticulture. <laughs> Not. And uh, my major professor said, Charlie, you need to go on for a Ph.D. You've got the gift of B.S., man. <laughs> <laughs> He saw he so saw something he saw something in he you, not necessarily something, something yeah, in your path. Yeah. So I went down to Mississippi State and got my PhD back in ag economics, and all my research has always been on the produce uh, production and marketing of nursery and greenhouse crops. Okay. So in '88, um, you know, graduated, and at that time, you know, Jackie Sherrill was here coaching football. Mm-hmm. So he went over to Mississippi State, and I came over here to Texas A&M. Oh, it was a prisoner places. exchange yeah, yeah. <laughs> between two land grants. I got you. We traded places, but we did not trade salaries, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll let that one go. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's, we're glad you're here. We always have been. Thank you. Uh, uh, Charlie, his uh, research and his work uh, it, it benefits not just the Texas nursery industry, but uh, you find Charlie on a national level uh, a very popular speaker and a consultant of uh, all things economic and uh, um, gardening or plant-wise. Well, that. thank you for that, Skip. But, but a lot of that's been facilitated by the being in an endowed chair and uh, the notoriety that brings. Then uh, it has, and then of course, remember we had the Great Recession, mm-hmm. and uh, I came as an economy. You weren't responsible for that. No, one. I was not okay. responsible. I was just checking. But there's nothing like an economic downturn to increase the demand for an economist has to say. So okay. I, I went from being the you know the token economist at right. the end of the program of the conference to keynoting in a hurry. Okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> so you're uh, with your gift of gab and everything. You're not putting out clickbait that says uh, read this or your nursery will will fail and go bankrupt next year. No, don't okay. have to. Okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, the whole uh, area of socio horticulture. And for those of you who aren't familiar, I'm going to have Charlie tell us what socio horticulture is in just a moment. Uh, but uh, in fact, let's just go ahead and do that now. Well, sure. What, how would you define socio horticulture? Yeah, it's it's of course the socio is all about people. Mm-hmm. And then the horticulture is all about plants. All right. So it's just the combination. It's the it's that human plant interface mm-hmm. that is so important, but oftentimes overlooked. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, one of the the reason that people don't know that term socio horticulture is because we all walk around with that dreaded disease. Not not COVID. Mm-hmm. It's plant blindness. Okay. All right, so that oh, social wow. horticulture is all about people-plant interactions, but we take plants for granted, and okay. we shouldn't. Well, for those of you listening who just have a natural love of maybe being outside, or you you have a joy when you buy a new plant and bring it home, uh, and all the different things, you're going to understand a lot of why that is today and what, what it is that draws us to plants. There was an article about a young lady here locally who uh, is wants a degree, you know, that uh, she's interested in plants. And, right. Uh, she was saying that while other students are in study hall, uh, she goes out and sits in the greenhouse to do her studying because <laughs> she just feels better out there kind yeah. of thing. So uh, let's, let's talk about, you, he's thrown a lot of terms at me today. So the first one was talking about biophilia and biophilic design. I know. What is that? Aren't those great words? Those are wonderful words. I know. I, know. Of course, I the, can't wait to hear you define and the, the bio, mm-hmm. of course, we know what that refers to. And then the philia, just mm-hmm. like the city of Philadelphia, the mm-hmm. city of brotherly, brotherly love, love, right? So it, this is biophilia is this love of 
uh, the biological things that mm-hmm. we encounter, now, okay. both plants and animals. So okay. we have this innate uh, comfort mm-hmm. being in the presence of plants and animals, okay. depending on your theological underpinnings, mm-hmm. right? You came from a garden. That's right. So we feel best. I was going to drop that one during yeah. this talk. But I, I tell people all the time that I'm the only, uh, you know, if you— uh, the original profession, despite all the jokes around, uh, is horticulture. Right. And we weren't. There wasn't the cubicle of Eden. Right. It was the, <laughs> the garden. It was of the Eden. garden. And I tell my friends at church that uh, uh, I'm the only person, including the pastor, doing what God originally told right. me to do. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but to but that it's, end, it's built into. It is built into us. It is. Nature it's built is. into us. It's it's part of our innate desire to be in the presence of plants and animals. It's just that animals have the advantage, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we have our pets, and we go home, and our dog licks our face and right. everything. And and you know, we could you know, even scold it this minute, and the next minute it's coming back licking their faces. Yeah. And their cat, well, we won't talk about cats. Yeah, cats you know, they, they don't care. As long as yeah. they're human, gives, puts some food out in the water, they, that, just leave me alone after that. But. Yeah. Uh, no, my apologies to the cat people listening, but well, it's just, there's a lot of sayings on that. Like your dog thinks you're God, your cat thinks it's God. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Exactly. So, but but animals have that advantage because okay. they, they were they they give us something to pet on and so forth. But plants don't do that. They don't move, they jump up, move around, and lick our right. face and everything. Mm-hmm. But they do move. In the mm-hmm. landscape, yeah. you know, the wind and everything, grasses and so forth. But basically, they're static. So, what's biophilic design? Yeah, that's the. See, that's another good one. That's that's one of the hottest trends in the field of architecture. Okay. That's when you're building in these biophilic elements into the built environment. Okay. But you're trying to emulate nature with the building. In other words, nice. you know, the, you can emulate sunlight and actually have more light come in, natural light come in, by putting in skylights. Yes. And so you incorporate skylighting, okay. uh, incorporate green walls mm-hmm. inside the building mm-hmm. where the, the, the wall itself is comprised of plants, whether it be through some sort of aquaponic type of structure. Okay. And there's several different companies that specialize in building green walls. And then, of course, the, the utilization of water mm-hmm. and fountains and just the sound yes. of water. And then you've got um, a very specific views upon nature that even if you're not on the first floor, you multi- your higher floors, you can sometimes, with your architecture, mm-hmm. have both green roofs mm-hmm. and the building together okay. so that people are looking out their window and seeing four seasons of okay. garden life okay. on the green roof in the building. Well, that's cool. And I know. You know, years ago, I read a study that was the patients in a hospital healing and yeah. comparing those that looked at, at a parking lot to those that looked outside and saw plants, even if yeah. it was trees and stuff. Yeah. And it was a dramatic difference in in physical healing time. Yeah, that was Roger Ulrich. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Right here at Texas A&M. 1984, when he did a study. That. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that's, that's cool an Aggie. Stuff. I mean, he, he, he did that. That was a seminal study. In yeah. fact, it's one of the most widely cited studies that okay. I know of. And he looked at um, having plants in the hospital room, obviously made people get mm-hmm. better faster. Or if they didn't have the plants, he had pictures of plants, then you got better faster. Or you didn't have the pictures, you had views upon nature 
then you got better faster. And here's what else, Skip. You didn't need as much medication, right? Wow. You actually felt better so that you required less pain meds. And so hospital beds were turning over quicker, wow. using fewer, um, you know, they didn't have opioid, opioids back uh-huh. then, but using fewer pain meds. And so it was a big cost savings for the hospital. That right? it, so it was, it was a win-win for everybody. That is cool stuff. I told Charlie earlier, uh, but we were getting ready for this show, that uh, I need to bring him back because we've got about six shows and all the information <laughs> he can tell us about. But let's let's move on, and uh, we're going to kind of highlight today, okay. I guess, yeah. uh, the benefits of green stru- infrastructure to the environment. So we, you talk about the green infrastructure of a community. How does that help the environment itself? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Because to me, the green infrastructure is the environment. So, it, well, it is, Mm -hmm. but some of it is put there by nature, Mm -hmm. and some of it is, of course, man-made. Okay. And so, the purposeful man-made green infrastructure augments what nature already provides, and that we haven't destroyed through putting in our gray infrastructure. Okay. Right? So there's gray and there's green. So how does that help the environment? Yeah. Well, let me, let me, I'll give you a circuitous route here. Okay. I'm past president of a 501c3 called America in Bloom. And America in Bloom's sole purpose is beautification of cities across the country. Okay. Now, when you think of beautification... And uh, here in College Station, I think we have 56 or 58 parks in College Station alone. That's that's one of the little few. Well, it should be a well-known fact, but mm-hmm. it's a little-known fact. And if you look across those those parks, there there are various levels of green spaces, and, mm-hmm. and but they all provide beautification. Mm-hmm. So American Bloom, though we don't we haven't had an American Bloom program here in College Station. We still have incorporated green spaces. Okay. Now I'm getting to the answer to the question, but okay. it's, uh, again, I'm taking a, uh, I'm telling the That's story funny. here. So American Bloom has has beautified well over 500 cities across the country, and so it's been in existence for about 20 years. And those aesthetics mm-hmm. are vitally important. Increased tourism, um, you know, in terms of just making it a better place to be and to, mm-hmm. and, the, and the citizens feel better they have more civic pride mm-hmm. because of that mm-hmm. now here's the benefits that they don't often recognize and that's environmentally you have a number of benefits that the green infrastructure provides number one is stormwater mitigation mm-hmm. now I, I, I use that one first because there's probably more money mm-hmm. that is saved for cities across this country by incorporating green infrastructure, flowers, mm-hmm. shrubs, trees, in parks and greenways and, and little pocket parks and little right. medians, mm-hmm. uh, the, the planted medians and so forth, there is more stormwater mitigation costs that are mitigated for mm-hmm. green infrastructure than just about any other thing that the city can implement. Now, mm-hmm. here's the irony, is that when, there, when cities, a lot of them are contemplating putting in a new parking garage or a new park mm-hmm. they'll opt for the parking garage because they're going to get revenue from the from the parking garage but what they don't recognize is that the value of those ecosystem services that okay. we call it 
that, that are providing an actual dollar amount of value to the city, but we don't measure that on the balance sheet. We measure right. the cost of the parking right. garage and depreciate it and so forth. So those benefits okay. are not just stormwater mitigation, and although they, they are important. For example, the city of Philadelphia saves about $70 million a year because they put in green infrastructure rather than having to put in redundant piping to handle that 100-year rainfall okay. that comes every seven yeah. or eight years now. Yeah. Right. When, when I was in on Austin many years ago working with AgriLife there, we yeah. d- we started something called the, the uh, Grow Green Program. I don't think I've talked about it on the show, uh, but it was it was all about these kind of things. And I learned then about the the uh, retention ponds that when you built, if you're going to cover something with asphalt and concrete, you got to also have a retention pond because when rain falls on asphalt and concrete, yeah. it hits the streams and and the floods go boom. Yeah, it, you you put it into a retention spot pond and slow it down, uh-huh. and that that flow changes and the potential uh, economic damage and all of that. Yeah, what, it, what it, it, well, sometimes we call them bioswales. Bioswales, uh-huh. right or and they um, purify water too. Man-made, exactly. You got coming you got, off parking lots. Yeah, you got oil dripping off of cars going in off the parking lot. Do you want it to go into your stream where there's sensitive species yeah, or and, your aquifer? And you're, and you're probably going to drink it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, with the slogan we used back then, and I'm sure people do now, but it it was that all land drains to somebody of water. Yeah. No matter where you are on Earth, it drains to somebody of water. In fact. Going back, kind of tying two subjects together here, okay. with the biophilic design, one of the concepts that's very popular is net zero water use. Okay. And and from the building, you have the the rainfall that comes the mm-hmm. the, the runoff of the building, mm-hmm. and then the the rainfall that hits on the landscape. And there, if you capture that, yeah. and then all the the water from toilets mm-hmm. and so forth you run through a bioremediation mm-hmm. type of facility where the plants are used yes. to remediate that water then it's not it doesn't become potable right. but you can reuse that water right. in toilets and in watering the landscape mm-hmm. so it's a net zero water use and here in Texas Anything we can do to conserve water is a win-win. Well, and that's amazing. You know, you think about a thousand square foot of of roof, uh, the footprint, a thousand square foot, rains one inch, 660 gallons of water capturable on that. You multiply that times the number of thousand square feet that a house is times the number of inches per year. That's a lot of water. Yeah. A lot of water. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a whole lot of erosion that is saved as well. Because imagine that much water coming down and it was unimpeded with any green yes. space and it would just be washing dirt away That's and so true. forth and that too clogs up rivers and ponds and estuaries gosh we could talk all day on this one uh, i'm just gonna throw out one uh, you know there's the heat island effect uh, yeah. and when pla- plants it's it's better for sunlight to hit a plant than to hit black asphalt right exactly uh, in the big city and then i think you and i were mentioning earlier that it's amazing what trees do to air quality yeah. And we're not talking about like the NASA study of indoor plants, but we're talking about an outdoor tree. And it's, could you just talk just briefly about that? Man, Skip, you're, you're like lobbing six softballs at me at all I know, at once. I know. And I'm, I I'm, so. Which one do I hit? First, <laughs> let me address the urban heat island okay. a little bit because uh, one of the benefits, of course, of that urban tree canopy mm-hmm. is that it, it mitigates the temperature that, that ends up 
uh, resonating off of that asphalt or the concrete. Mm-hmm. And so increasing ev- the need for air conditioning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For every one degree Celsius that you can save, it reduces heating and air conditioning costs by about 20 percent. Wow. Uh, significant economic savings. One degree cooler. Yeah, one 20%. degree Celsius. Celsius cooler. Cooler. Yeah. It adds up yeah. to about 20, 20% air conditioning savings. It, and, and there's no question that, I mean, anybody who's been around plants in a forest know that it makes an effect on temperature. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Go out and lay in the sun on an August day in Texas, and yeah. Yeah, you'll yeah. appreciate your plant. Now, interestingly, here, from a social standpoint, mm-hmm. if you look at the urban heat island effect, generally in the areas, in, particularly in cities, where there's a lot of gray infrastructure, a lot of pavement, a lot mm-hmm. of concrete, you have that urban heat island effect. And if you look at the populations within those cities that live in those areas, it's usually people of lower income mm-hmm. and and people of color mm-hmm. have lived in those areas, mm-hmm. which from a health standpoint, because the susceptibility to diabetes and cardiovascular types of issues, mm-hmm. that urban heat island effect is particularly harmful on those of lower income and people of color. So wow. it, it, we tie the two things together. And, and, of course, anything a city can do then to mitigate the urban heat island effect not only has a benefit in terms of cooling and air conditioning costs, yeah. but in health-related costs in that perimeter of that urban heat island. It's amazing. Uh, it, it really is. It, you know, it's, it's, I guess from someone who hasn't studied this at all, maybe uh, city leaders, community leaders, uh, it's like going out and planting a tree. Well, that's nice. Someday it'll be pretty. But they're not seeing the economic payback. In, you've mentioned, I don't know, a half dozen or more ways that it pays back economically from health to air conditioning costs to, you know, yeah. on down the line. Yeah. Uh, it really makes sense, doesn't it? Well, it does. And even, it makes economic sense Even within Bryan College Station, we've, we've made the mistake, I think, my mm-hmm. humble opinion, right? But I wasn't in the decision-making that sometimes we, in the medians we mm-hmm. put bricks, yeah. which grows weeds, and you got to mm-hmm. contr- then go back and have labor and maybe even herbicides to control mm-hmm. the weeds. But if had we put plants in the median, mm-hmm. it would have mitigated some of that urban heat island. Mm-hmm. It would have, uh, in fact, those that have trees in the median, it cooling the asphalt underneath mm-hmm. those tall trees, mm-hmm. you have road paving costs that over a 40-year horizon can be reduced by as much as 20 to 25 percent. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. I, I am, I am uh, enthralled by your enthusiasm and amused by the fact that you're an economist and these numbers are flying out everywhere. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love, now, we've got to come full circle because okay. you, you also lobbed the same softball out there about the urban um, uh, canopy, tree canopy, mm-hmm. and the particulates. The air quality. Yes, mm-hmm. in terms of air quality. So tell me about that. Yeah. In fact... Trees provide, urban trees provide the similar kind of effect as if you would have to, to really go out and purchase these huge air purifiers and mm-hmm. run them constantly 24 hours a day, and you still wouldn't mirror the impact that trees have in removing particulates out of the air. So tell us what you mean by particulates. Yeah, so it's not just the, the gases, you know, the carbon dioxide and mm-hmm. trees give off oxygen, mm-hmm. which is pretty critical for the humans yeah. out there. Yeah. 
but it's it's removal of the uh, whether it be smog mm-hmm. particulates, smog particles, smog, mm-hmm. smog particles, or other fine particles in the air, dusts, allergens, yeah, different yeah. kinds of it things. It scrubs all of those out of the air, and so the air quality is dramatically improved. In fact, here's an interesting uh, research study that emerald ash borer is an insect, mm-hmm. and just by the name, it's green in color, mm-hmm. and it loves ash trees. Mm-hmm. Well, they they, there are some areas of the country where, because ash trees grow in a monoculture, mm-hmm. the emerald ash borer has just decimated all the tree stands. And so you're left with no trees. Cities with dramatic tree reduction. Absolutely. And so, the, but there are other areas which the ash trees are still intact because mm-hmm. the emerald ash borer hasn't been there. So there was one research study that looked at the differences between the two areas. Mm-hmm. And accounting for socioeconomic differences, they found that in the, the area that had no trees but that had been decimated by this insect, there were, I, I don't, I'll get the numbers wrong, because, but it's something like 8,000 more cardiovascular events in that area in, in over the course of the two, maybe in two and a half year study, uh, and 13,000 more upper respiratory events. So there were, or cases, health cases. So it really was a matter of, of health for the city that had no trees. The, the, there were, you know, again, increased cardiovascular and increased upper respiratory events. So people in that area suffered because there were no yeah. trees. Now, let me go one step further. There's one study that looked at women's all-cause mortality in green spaces versus gray spaces. So women's mortality from all different causes. All different causes, right? And when they lived in areas with a lot of green Uh versus a lot of gray, Uh their all-cause mortality was lowered by 12% just by the mere fact that they lived in green spaces versus gray spaces. So you're going to have to kind of make that connection for me. Well, again, why, why the, would it was, a green space? Yeah, it was the health issues. Oh, I mean, the, the more greater oxygen, okay. removal of particulates and so forth. And so all the health benefits. Now, I don't know why they didn't study men, but they just looked at women in this it's case. Expendable. And so all-cause mortality <laughs> <laughs> was, was 12% lower. Wow. That's I know. Cool. That's cool stuff. So the moral of the story? Yeah. Plants are a matter of life and death. That's right. Yeah. Well, and economic. I mean, you think about you were describing the areas, and uh, the uh, you've, you've thrown out a bunch of things that interconnect here. But uh, the the fact that the socioeconomically depressed areas are typically not going to have the same kind of greenery cover yes. as a, like a more wealthy area Correct. of a t- particular town would have, and then the effects of these things on the trees on heart problems or cardiovascular and on the respiratory issues. Uh, so there's not just the human suffering, but there's the, oh my gosh, the medical costs. I mean, yeah. I, I've not I've not been to a cardiologist, but I can imagine you can spend a few dollars there. And so when you do this over a large area, uh, that's, uh, that's significant. It is. And, and the problem right. is those costs are hidden. You know, right. when we leave the water running and it runs all night, we kind of know right then we just spent a bunch of a little bit of money at least right. depending on how much it ran 
But on something like a tree dies, you don't see it other than, well, what's it going to cost to buy a tree right. to replace it? But we don't see all the cumulative costs. Right. That's, that's really neat. Um, so what are some of the health benefits? And you've talked about this a little, but health benefits that people derive from plants. So Yeah, there's, there's, if you look at the, the main uh, categories, and I, I subdivide, uh, subdivide them into those physiological benefits that, that benefit our bodies, and okay. then there's mental benefits, mm-hmm. there are cognitive benefits, right. and then there are social benefits benefits. Okay. So physiologically, mm-hmm. you know, when we're in the presence of plants, it's it's almost like when you're watching a campfire mm-hmm. or you're watching an aquarium. Mm-hmm. Those are two activities that mm-hmm. people just get enthralled with. Yeah. And it just, I mean, you can watch you a can campfire. You can just stare at a fire and, and just drift off. Well, first of all, you're staring at it saying, how long can I resist dragging out the marshmallows <laughs> for the campfire? Right? Okay, now we went the wrong way. On, when we bring out s'mores, health benefits yeah, start to I, decline. <laughs> Although I think it probably has dairy in it, maybe. I don't know. So it's one of the basic food groups. There, there you, you go. go. So um, <laughs> whatever works or justification for you, Charlie, I'm, that's fine. That's your business. And then, of course, <laughs> aquariums, right? People stare at aquariums a lot. So the, the plants, when you're in the presence of plants, yeah. it, their research shows that the cortisol levels in your body are dramatically reduced. And, and cortisol, cortisol is the stress hormone. Which, which causes heart problems? It causes you know, it higher, higher pulse rate and higher heart rates. De- um, deposition of fat uh, on people, the higher cortisol level, doesn't that affect your... Uh, weight gain, can it? You know what? That's a good thing? question. I, I imagine it does. That came out of the cobwebs eating, somewhere right? in the back of my head, yeah, but I think yeah, that's yeah. anyway. But still, you have that that you hit, you're more relaxed, and whenever you're doing your job, if you if mm-hmm. you take uh, frequent breaks every forty five to fifty minutes, because our attention span generally. 30, 45 to 50 minutes. Okay. That's why we have 50-minute classes at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So if you'll take breaks and go outdoors into nature, then that attention deficit, where our recovery is much faster when we're outdoors in the presence of flowers, shrubs, and trees than it would be if we sat there indoors munching on a candy bar or something. So that is maybe one of the reasons why uh, kids that expo- are exposed to nature score better on tests? Dude, you're stealing my thunder. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, you've got enough thunder to go six I, weeks, so I'm just, I'm just feeding the flames here. That's exactly right, because kids, and, I mean, let's just start kindergarten through elementary school at mm-hmm. first. They, they, um, they score better on standardized tests mm-hmm. if they have had uh, classrooms with views upon nature. Views upon nature. Okay. Yeah, if they if they have, can yeah. go outside, mm-hmm. if they can go outside or they can look outside. And if if they have plants plants in the classroom, all the better, because memory retention in the presence of plants is enhanced by as much as twenty percent. 
I mean, that is that is awesome. I want to remind you that you're listening to Garden Success, and we're coming to you by tape. And our guest today is Charlie Hall. Dr. Hall is uh, the uh, Ellison Chair in International Floriculture at Texas A&M. And we are talking a lot of things, I won't say all, but a lot of things socio-horticulture today. Uh, those of you who uh, just seem to enjoy being out in the garden, it, uh, it, it, now you're beginning to understand some of the many reasons why. And if you don't know about that, why you should. You know, Charlie, I can come home at the end of the day and uh, get my finger on the end of a water hose. And I know that's not how you water plants. But I can sit there and deprogram all the stresses of the day with about 10, 15 minutes yeah. of just mindlessly watering and being yeah. around plants or even yeah. pulling weeds. You know, there, there are a lot of things in life where you hammer and hammer away all day and you don't know you don't have anything to show for it. But you get into a bed full of weeds and you, you pull away and after a few minutes you can look back and see your accomplishments. I know. And, and nobody and, goes into weed pulling anticipating <laughs> all the fun they're gonna have. No, no. But they actually the endorphins start kicking in and you look back at the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So it's it's like that five minute rule. If you just say I'm going to pull weeds for five minutes and I'm going to give myself license to stop after that. All but right. once you get five minutes in and you see the progress you're yeah. making, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep on. All right. Well, I sidetracked you when you were talking about the benefits to students, young yeah. kids in classrooms yeah. and things. But please continue. With yeah. That. So we talked about their their memory retention being enhanced. Mm-hmm. We talk about the, the their performance on standardized tests. But here's the the big thing from a social standpoint within schools. Obviously, a lot of attention has been placed on bullying. Mm -hmm. And the incidence of bullying in schools uh, is reduced when the school has a school gardening program. Really? When the kids go outside Mm -hmm. and they get their hands in the dirt, Hmm. they're not worried so much about what color of skin. Hmm. They're not worried about what tennis shoes they're wearing, what clothes and so forth equal basis, right? Wow. It breaks down barriers. So a tremendous benefit. Just the mere presence of school gardens. Wow. And you know, some programs like our junior master gardening mm-hmm. program, which started here at Texas A and right. that has multiple benefits for just from a, a STEM training, science, mm-hmm. technology and mm-hmm. so forth. But but also from a social standpoint, mm-hmm. as the gardening is the great equalizer. Yeah. People of all ages, all colors, all races, yeah. all all ethnicity, all any demographic variable you want to spit out there, mm-hmm. it's the great equalizer. It is. And we can participate it and participate and and benefit all of mm-hmm. us, young and old. So as kids get older, those same benefits carry forward through junior high and high school and in college students perform better if they've had exposure to green spaces wow yeah that's that's that is that is really cool stuff um oh and you incorporate that with the biophilic elements mm-hmm. like the natural lighting yes and uh, you know phillips is a big lighting company mm-hmm. they sell a lot of different bulbs they do a lot of research on on the the hues of light mm-hmm. and how they affect us from a biometric standpoint. Our, yeah. It affects our biorhythms, et cetera. Right. And along with natural light, you can actually adjust the lighting in the classroom mm. so that when, when students come in from recess and you mm-hmm. want to calm them down, you have a, a shade or a hue of light that helps 
facilitate that calming effect. And then when you want to get them uh, alert, bright and alert, you have a different color of hue of light. <laughs> oh so gosh. it's, I know, it's literally <laughs> amazing. And here's the thing, Skip, we're too often given the school, the school construction contract to the lowest bidder. Yeah. And we very seldom have some of these biophilic elements in our, that are in the, the, the plans for these schools. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing that I hope comes out of programs like this. And, and when folks hear the right. benefits long term, mm-hmm. maybe we'll build our schools a little differently. Maybe we'll build, build in a little more recess or maybe even two recesses during the day, right? So, oh, yeah. so or maybe we'll have outdoor classrooms that we can go to and, um, and engage kids in nature, gardening, that, and that's going to benefit them their entire lives in ways that we never thought of before. That is good. Uh, you know, it's always... There's always the low-hanging fruit of, well, it's good to know where your food comes from. Uh, If you grow it, you're more likely to eat it. And we know the benefits of fresh fruits and vegetables. But there's just so many more, so many more that are coming to light. Uh, In fact, um, you know, Randy Seagraves and Lisa Whittlesey, the the International uh, Junior Master Gardener Program Mm -hmm. with their Learn, Eat, Eat, Grow, and Go Mm -hmm. program, found that Kids will indeed, if they've had school gardening exposure, they'll they'll eat what they had a hand in growing. But okay. not only that, they'll go home, and you know how persuasive kids are, particularly elementary kids. Yes. And they get they get hooked on something, mm-hmm. then they're going to talk to mom and dad, and they're going to yeah. they're going to ask, "Hey, can we plant some tomatoes? Can we plant some beans? Can yeah. we plant some corn? And can we have a raised bed? And can we do this? Can we do that? And of course, the parents cave. Yeah. And then the the nutritional profile for the kids are is not only improved, yeah. but they found that the nutritional profile for the entire family improved Changes. because of the Junior Master Gardening Program. Wow, I know. So, so much cool stuff. Yeah. So I guess what we're what we're saying today, and we'll continue to be saying in different ways, is is uh, plants matter, and plant people interactions are absolutely critical. Uh, those of you who have enjoyed gardening. Uh, now you know even more reasons why you might. And I want to go into another one now. Uh, the, and that's the, the um, impacts on certain parts of our populations. Uh, a lot of times when people refer to gardening, maybe they're a generation or two past the garden and they remember grandma's garden mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And a, a lot of, uh, with the Master Gardening Program, a lot of the folks that are interested in that program are my age and even above. And uh, it just seems like there's a connection, uh, you know, as you as you get older, the connection grows to, to wanting to grow things. It's not to say young people aren't interested in it. I'm just saying there's a natural change. And there are benefits that you've studied and others have studied about uh, the ways that gardening helps with your health and well-being as you get older. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, some of those things. Yeah, in fact... Um, there's a lot of things that that hit us as mm-hmm. we age that we didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. You know, we and we, when we're saying age, we're not talking about uh, just really older people, but we're we're saying people just as you move through those stages and the decades, uh, getting older and older. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But but as we do age, there are certain health issues that we encounter. There's okay. certain perhaps cognitive 
mm-hmm. and and mental well-being issues mm-hmm. that that we encounter and particularly for for the older citizens obviously the master gardener program has been very popular mm-hmm. and because they have the time and and resources mm-hmm. mainly time mm-hmm. to to go and participate and the skills and the love of it i know that, that they i know share. It's, it's a it's win amazing. win yeah. but then older adults mm-hmm. when they are in the presence of flower shrubs and trees mm-hmm. whether both edible and ornamental mm-hmm. they too are kinder mm-hmm. more compassionate mm-hmm. and and remember things okay, more that's clearly a, that is a broad claim so uh how tell me about this that uh, older adults around plants are kinder and more compassionate yeah yeah they're, they're, you're talking about studies right oh yeah okay. that research study upon research study and i'm not just talking about one study there's been multiple studies that show and they they have different scales that they can measure mm-hmm. how kind you're that you are mm-hmm. and uh, that would go into a research setting and whether or not your your um, um, willingness to give towards charities yeah. is is different when you're right after gardening versus mm-hmm. right after um, you know, doing some other activity. Mm-hmm. So, th- I mean, these are replicated studies. So That's that, really, you know, I, I see that, but I've never thought about it as a plant connection yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. And then here's another aspect with the, with the increased incidence of dementia and Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease. And in fact, um, we, we see that there's not only a benefit to people suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but the staff that are taking care of them, uh, that's why there's a lot of healing gardens mm-hmm. at uh, dementia and Alzheimer's clinics, and even at hospitals, because of the effect we talked about earlier about people getting better faster. but but the um, dementia and Alzheimer's patients mm-hmm. are much less prone to anger outbursts and mm-hmm. other destructive behaviors when they're in the presence of those uh, green spaces. Wow. And I, I lost my own father four mm-hmm. years ago to dementia. Mm-hmm. And remember, I said I grew up in the nursery business. So when dad was outside, mm-hmm. in either in the, in the, the landscape around the home or potting up a plant mm-hmm. or whatever, very similar to the dad I grew up with, yeah. you know, joking, one-liners yeah. and so forth. But then when he got back to his room, mm-hmm. with, which dementia patients like yeah. the security of being in mm-hmm. a, a, a stable room mm-hmm. that they're familiar with, but it, sometimes he was belligerent, so mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, it was activity or actions that I didn't even recognize, right? So, so, so I saw the power of plants very personal, yeah. personally and up close. So you're talking about a, a person at, in a certain stage right. of, of, in this case, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, but uh, what, whatever uh, cognitive uh, issue, uh, you put them with plants and there's a change. Uh-huh. What about the progression of aging uh, with or without plants? Some of the some of the uh, whether it's cognitive or physical effects of that. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, and that's remember I mentioned the all cause mortality of women. Yes, right. And those those um, those other types of mm-hmm. benefits. Um, I can't recall right off the top of my head, but I, I'm fairly certain mm-hmm. that there were studies that looked at. 
Um, the problem is, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna not go down that path because I don't okay. remember okay accurately. That's, so I don't want to say something good. that I don't want to greenwash this well, thing. Yeah, I know. But go ahead. I do know that. Um, Conducting those types of studies is very difficult because you've got to follow a sample for multiple years of their lives. Right. So it's an expensive study. Now, if what I think I remember mm-hmm. is that those benefits carried all through those years, mm-hmm. uh, years, and there was less incidence of health issues okay. the more green that you were exposed to earlier on okay. in your life. I know that's true when they well, looked at kids and then came back later 30 years down the road okay. as adults, there were less, there were fewer health issues mm-hmm. if the kids had had a chance to stay in in and around green spaces versus those who didn't. Okay. and But we do have solid knowledge or evidence that um, there are certain activities that we know help. But, uh, keeping your brain active helps. Yes. Gardening definitely can be a way of keeping your brain active learning coming to extension classes there was a shameless plug and uh and learning and learning and meeting other people the social connections maintaining which gardeners are they are the best people i i just am amazed at how uh, like no other group gardeners are just just good folks to be around and and the social connections and then also the some of the dexterity the skeletal skeletal and muscular effects or benefits of exercise and things and how gardening offers that. The fact that we have now ergonomic tools so that if you do struggle with an arthritis or some other things, there's tools that make life, make gardening even easier. Right. And so we can make that connection, right? I mean, you know, that, that the, the mental activity and the physical activity that gardening can offer, uh, we know that those kind of activities help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You just unpacked uh, three or four cans of worms there, cause, I mean, or <laughs> three or four cans of benefits. Oh, thank you. I was worried about the worms. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, compost, you got to have composting. <laughs> well, good. But <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's good. Go ahead and say what you... Well, the, um, you know, some of the, the benefits that I was going to refer to is, is uh, whenever you take horticulture and you put it into a horticultural therapy program where you Mm -hmm. build therapeutic programs um, that are either accredited or even Mm non-accredited and people are planting a seed, those kinds of activities emulate some of their normal everyday activities. So the dexterity from planting a seed helps with the dexterity of holding a fork in which to eat if you're suffering from ALS or so forth. So there's a lot of benefits that that gardening provides. Now, I want to go back to the social Mm -hmm. because that's critical. Mm -hmm. And many cities that have uh, community gardens, they find that there's a lot of interaction between generations mm-hmm. whenever there's a community garden you've got old and young mm-hmm. interfacing there in the community garden yeah. there's a lot of laughter mm-hmm. you have more eyes on the street mm. so guess what 
crime rates go down. I have heard that about in green cities spaces, that yeah. have more green spaces. Yeah. You'd think it was different because mm-hmm. in 1235, I think it was, King Edward I I said, wasn't around then, said, Charlie. <laughs> you might remember said, that, but I don't. He said, thou shalt not put plants beside the road because the malefactors will be stealing all your stuff. That's I'm why around the castle they had the big grass type areas <laughs> rather than shrubbery. And th- okay, Exactly. They call that the savannah view. We okay. still like that savannah landscape mm-hmm. because it offers prospect view mm-hmm. to see what's coming at us. Lions, tigers, and bears, right? But meanwhile, back in the big city. Back with, in the big city, yeah. you know, in spite of what King Edward decreed back in 1235 or whenever it was, um, research shows that crime rates actually go down as green spaces increase. So I mentioned the city of Philadelphia saving millions of dollars in stormwater runoff. They've also saved, I don't know how much money, but it's significant in terms of the number of police people that they've had to hire and the number of police cars they've had to buy and equipment and et cetera because they took all those vacant lots and they put gardens or other green spaces, Mm -hmm. pocket parks and so Mm -hmm. forth that people could come out, congregate, yeah. socialize, and then the, the, the crime rates for the entire area go down. And, and it's, it's just like a new type of ownership in your community. Yeah. When you have that community garden you go to. And yeah, it solves the broken you. window effect. Remember when, when uh, Jimmy Stewart and, uh, what's her name, and uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Donna Reed. Donna Reed. They were skipping down the trail. Mm-hmm. Buffalo guy, why don't you come out tonight? Mm-hmm. Come out tonight. And yep. then they throw the rock at the old house and yeah. for, for good luck. Make a wish. That's the broken window, right? Okay. But the, the broken window effect is that if you have areas in the city that have uh, graffiti, that are run down, people are less likely to take care of that. It, it accelerates the, the downward spiral in terms of those areas and and the trashiness mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. But if you have a community garden, mm-hmm. people take care of those surroundings. Oh, do they? They have greater civic okay. pride. It's like yeah. the American Bloom example I gave earlier. You enhance something, mm-hmm. you give people a chance to interact, mm-hmm. and then it's it has this powerful effect of of taking greater pride and those who want to do um, you know the the crime and everything, they don't necessarily they're not they're not attracted to those areas. What can't plants do, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a Superman cape on every <laughs> nursery. I know, right? That goes out. <laughs> it, but it really is true. You know, we we kind of kid about it, but I, I find the hort therapy and uh, just all of those kind of benefits to just be amazing. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of really amazing facilities in the state. Brookwood, for mm-hmm. example. Down in Brookshire. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And then uh, d- um, is it Down Home Ranch that's over near Elgin. Um, S- something like that. I, I don't know. It's That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. But they're, both of those facilities are just phenomenal because they're addressing a need in society mm-hmm. and using plants yes. as part of it. Yeah, that is yeah. that is really cool. I... I uh, you know, I think anybody, I know some people, I've, I've had friends who had no interest in plants whatsoever. I mean, they was like, I'm not, a, I'm not the plant person and stuff. Uh, and, and while I, okay, I, I believe you haven't uh, learned to appreciate gardening yet. It, it's coming, I hope. But 
you benefit from plants every day. Uh, what you you know the the life you live, the air you breathe, the uh, demeanor of the people you encounter. I mean, it, it's all of those ways. Communities with plants are having an effect on on people, and that's. Yeah, that's right. That is, and, that and we overlook it all the time. We take the plants for granted. Mm. I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier or not, but we, I refer to that as plant blindness. Okay. Right? And so all, hopefully all these factoids help mm-hmm. to eliminate that plant blindness for all the listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, and appreciate uh, appreciate the uh, people are interested in nature now. You know, that's yeah. a popular thing. and Particularly in the pandemic. It, and Yeah. and it, Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you also do you also do economics with garden centers and things. Could we just have a couple of, of thoughts on uh, the on that area? Yeah. Uh, of the, what yeah. the effect of COVID on on plant sales and and what you guys are seeing? Yeah, because last year in March and April, mm-hmm. it, man, it was decimated because we weren't deemed to be essential yet. Yeah. But then when we were deemed to be essential. Oh, I, I, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know. That rubs me raw, too. Because well, I remember when they roped off seed packets, but they sold gun cigarettes and alcohol. I can't remember what it was. I know. There was, it was like, a, you know, don't. Yeah, Granny's going to get frisked for seed packets at the door of the Yeah, store. I know. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. But sales ended up for 2020 really above trend. Okay. And 2021 has been the same. Uh, There's probably a, um, it's between 8 mm-hmm. and 36% mm-hmm. year over year above what 2020 sales were, depending on what part of the country that you were in. So unpack that. Uh, t- t- tell me what's going on in the minds of a person who is more involved in plants now than yeah. before. What's going yeah. on there? What, because the 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 less travel that mm-hmm. people were able to engage in because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They stayed at home more. And when they're staying at home, they're looking at their surroundings and say, I got to fix this place up. Yeah. I and then, of course, they remember the interactions. They got kids at home now. Mm-hmm. They got to find some kind of activity to keep the yeah. kids busy. And rather than just an electronic screen. Mm-hmm. And so they turned to gardening. Mm-hmm. And we saw the sales of plant seeds, uh, the yeah. compost, and all the ancillary supplies mm-hmm. that go along with gardening. We saw the sales increase mm-hmm. dramatically. And that's carried forward. Okay. Now, there's been surveys conducted about whether they will continue to engage at that level post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And about 42 percent of those surveyed say that they're actually going to garden at the same level or more. Okay. And 12% are going to participate a lot more. Mm. So, I mean, this has been a good thing for horticulture, for gardening and landscaping, because we've seen all of those things um, increase. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in Texas, we also had the February storm this year. Right. So we lost about $480 million worth of nursery and greenhouse products. That's a big number. That's a big number. And so we hit, we've we imported more flowers, shrubs, and trees into the state this year than we ever have yeah. because the demand was still there, mm-hmm. but we didn't have as much supply. Yeah. So going forward, I think that that's we're going to see more than likely consumption will go back to trend somewhat, mm-hmm. but hopefully it's a higher trend yeah. than what it has been. Because I think 
there's always those who who garden for the first time and say, "Man, this is a lot of work," mm-hmm. and they're they're not going to engage in gardening as much as what they 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 yeah. just did. But then you have those that, no, I like this. I yeah. enjoy it. I see the benefits. Yeah. And yeah, it may have cost me sixty dollars to grow that tomato. But it's my tomato. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, if you're one who uh, said gardening is too much work or if you're about to try gardening, uh, I'm going to put in another shameless plug to please call your county extension office because yeah. we can help you get to, off to a great start. I always say on the show that there, there aren't brown thumbs. There are just uninformed thumbs. And we can help turn your thumb green by getting you on the right track. Maybe you don't want to dig up the dirt in the backyard. You just want to put in a little box on the patio or or learn about how much you can grow in containers on a patio. We can help you with that. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left, but I just about what you were mentioning, uh, house plants have gone crazy this year. Oh, and yeah. I, I've been amazed and amused at the explosion. And it, I've had to buff, uh, kind of brush up on my uh, houseplant knowledge because it's never been a big question at the extension office. Right. You know? But now you go online, <laughs> you see a little string of pearls, maybe three bumps long, that's being sold for $9 or I something. Know. And it hadn't even gotten roots I yet. Know. <laughs> I know. And succulents. Yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I, I just finished up with some colleagues, mm-hmm. a houseplant study, looking at houseplant sales um, at the, by the end of 2020 compared to early 2019. And, I mean, houseplant sales just skyrocketed. So it has been very good for that industry, yeah. but it's been good for people. Yeah, it is. They've, they've been surrounding themselves with plants, and they feel better. Mm-hmm. Again, they're less stressed. There's some volatile organic compounds that yeah. are scrubbed out of the air mm-hmm. by yeah. certain species inside the house. Some are negligible, but, but I'm I'm waiting. I'm pretty sure they are going to find some kind of plant or microbe, soil microbe related volatiles that are affecting our brains in a way that is also part of this big picture. We'll see. Could be. Well, gosh, Charlie, uh, I've had a lot of guests on, but I've never had a conversation where we included quotes from the Middle Ages, references to Jimmy Stewart (laughs) movies, economics, plant. (laughs) You're a delight to have on. Uh, We've been talking to Charlie Hall, uh, the uh, Ellison Chair uh, in International Floriculture here at Texas A&M University. And boy, we've got to get you back. Well, thank you, Skip. I appreciate the invite, and I'm, uh, I'm happy to come back anytime. You've been listening to Garden Success with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist Skip Richter. Join us again next week as Skip discusses your questions about gardening and landscaping in the Brazos Valley. Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com.
Garden Success is also brought to you by The Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209.